Amen. Well, many of us can look back on our younger days and remember times at church camp, have memories of church camp. I'm hoping most of those are positive memories. Um, don't share them if they're not, but um, many of us have had a lot of fun times at church camp growing up, and then even experiences of being able to be counselors and participate in other ways as well. And um, Hilltop Christian Camp has always had a special place in the life of East Columbus Christian Church, and we are so happy and excited to have Ryan Croft here, uh, the new camp director, to share and, and uh, speak uh, to us this morning. Um, Ryan comes uh, to Hilltop to be the, the camp director uh, after uh, graduating from Johnson University with uh, degrees in uh, preaching and church leadership. So... Maybe we'll have him come back and help some of us to uh, do a better job as well. But he, his bachelor's was from Johnson University in, in those areas, and then he got a master's at Liberty University in small groups and discipleship. You just have all kinds of degrees, don't you? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And he and Mala have been married for 24 years, I understand. Going on 25, they have two adult children, uh, Laurel and Thomas. And uh, Ryan has been in uh, youth ministry, for, was in youth ministry for 24 years and was serving as a lead pastor before he was called to be the director. Uh, well, you're both directors, by the way, co-directors, okay, uh, at Hilltop. But I want you to help me give a really big East Columbus Christian Church welcome today to Ryan Croft. He did mention I was in youth ministry for a while, right? So, um, <laughs> no, uh, thank you. That was a great, uh, I really enjoyed the worship this morning. That was awesome. Um, some of those songs, man, I haven't heard those in, in years. It brought back some really good memories. But um, thank you guys for allowing me to be here with you this morning. Um, I, get, I love the, having the opportunity to come and, and speak to our supporting churches to, to, give, to meet many of you face-to-face who uh, pour so much into Hilltop and love Hilltop so much. And um, over, especially the last several months that things have opened back up, we've had the opportunity to be in a, a different church every single Sunday where we get to talk about and share with and meet with people who love Hilltop. And I'm excited to hear the stories about what has meant in people's lives, um, especially when you think about the fact that Hilltop has been there for 75 years. This week, though, today it's a little different because I stand in front of churches and I thank them for their support and the generosities they've given over the years, some of them for many years. But this morning, I get to stand in front of the congregation, the church that started Hilltop, that, that founded and began the work that goes on out there. And so um, I do say thank you to East Columbus, to all of you who have over the years have made Hilltop what it is today. 
It is a special and amazing place and somewhere that you can't help but come onto the property and feel the presence of God there. I know that over the years, so many people have had their lives touched in so many ways. So many people have come to know Christ at Hilltop. So many people have found a calling into ministry at Hilltop. So many people have even found uh, their significant other, their, their husbands and wives at Hilltop. And it's amazing what has happened there. This past year has been a little bit uh, more challenging uh, than a typical year at Hilltop. Um, as, As Kendall mentioned, we started last February. We were there about a month and everything shut down. And so all the hopes and expectations and excitement about what summer was going to be Uh, quickly changed. And unfortunately, with everything with COVID, we weren't able to have camp last summer. But that didn't stop God from moving and doing amazing things. Even over this past year, in spite of all the limitations with COVID, we had over 600 people on the property who have come out and have done some kind of ministry or some kind of a, a Bible study or retreat on the property over this past year. So we've still been able to do a lot of ministry. And we've had, over this past year, over 300 people come out and volunteer their time to work and serve at Hilltop. I would encourage you, if you haven't been out to Hilltop in a few years, you need to come back out and take a look, because over this past year, with not being able to do camp, we turned and focused all of our attention on revitalizing, renewing, and refreshing the property, doing everything we could to to fix things, to complete projects that have been waiting for years to be done because there just wasn't time to get to them. God gave us the time this past year to get those things done. The other big thing that happened this past year that I am excited to be able to tell you is one of the things that I've heard people ask me is, well, how is camp doing financially? What did this do uh, to camp finances? And not having camp, not having a lot of the the income streams that we normally get through our retreats, through uh, our summer camp program, um, God has still blessed us. In fact, this past year, we were able to pay off over $28,000 of our debt. So we reduced our debt last year 14%. Yes. <laughs> I have been involved in ministry for most of my adult life. Uh, it has been the thing that has gone over and over uh, through me that God has just has led me through. And I can tell you that even after all this time that I have served in ministry, that I have had a relationship with God, every single day He still amazes me in what He does. I am still find myself in awe over and over again at how God can bless. And this past year was no exception to that. To see what God did in spite of everything has been amazing to me. And I am so thankful. So I appreciate all of you who have loved on Hilltop this past year and have helped us to make that happen. Um, our goal, and we will be sending out some, uh, our next mailing very soon, is by June we want to pay down another large chunk of our debt. And our, our goal is to pay about $20,000 more of our debt off by June 1st. And so we're going to be sending some information out to target that. The other thing that we did this past year is last July, uh, knowing that we still wanted to focus on debt reduction, we also wanted to do and bring something new to camp. So we started what we called our 75 Fund in honor of the 75th year at Hilltop. And the largest project of that, the first thing that we wanted to do with that that fund, was to build a zip line at Hilltop. 
And I can tell you that there is now, thanks to everyone's help over this past year, the polar plunge, we raised enough money, and then we got a donation from Jackson County REMC. Uh, they donated their time to install the telephone poles that we needed. And so we were able to, without extending any debt, uh, build a new zip line that is now set up and ready to run up on the hill above camp. It's a double zip line, so two people go at the same time, side by side, um, and it runs, the total length from pole to pole is about 437 feet, and so you'll get about 400 feet before you get to the end. So I will encourage you and invite you, family day, we're going to officially open that and give people the opportunity to come out and experience it and try it, and then it'll be there for campers all summer long, and I am so excited. Um, it is awesome. I've only ridden it about 12 times so far, so you know. Listen, I have to be trained. We have to practice. These are important things. That's, that's all it is. It's all for camp. That's why I do it. So May 22nd, when we have our family day, family day is usually at the end of camp. This year, we're going to have it before camp so that we can celebrate um, 75 years of Hilltop and that we can welcome people back to camp. I would encourage and invite you, if, if you've never been out to Hilltop, that is a great day to come out and take a look. If you have uh, kids who have never been to camp, that is a great time to bring them out so they can, they can have a chance to see the property, to see the dorms, to see what we have to offer so that they can get excited about an amazing summer. I will tell you, though, if you're going, planning on attending camp this summer, please register uh, quickly. Uh, we already have well over 200 registrations. We've already got one week of our camp that is completely full. Um, that we can't even have anybody else come to that one right now. Um, we are doing camp this summer. It will be a little different. Uh, one of the key things is we've reduced our capacity by half, so we're only doing 60 campers right now for each session of camp, and then um, 25 up at our wilderness camp. So we've kind of brought those numbers down some just to make sure that, that we can meet all of the restrictions and guidelines that may be in place still by this summer, uh, so we are doing those steps. We hope that we can increase that capacity, but we are, uh, right now we've got it set at that lower number, um, and we'll, it'll be there until at least the end of this month when we hear back from the state what they're going to change or not change about what we're doing. So we're encouraging people to sign up quickly. Um, I don't want anyone to miss out on a summer at Hilltop, and I don't want to miss out, uh, anyone to miss out on having, to get, having that experience in their lives. The other great thing is we have our women's retreat coming up that you, uh, you guys saw in the announcements. Um, I'm kind of sad, but I'm really happy to tell you um, we are full for our women's retreat. We have 117 women registered to attend this women's retreat, which is the highest number we have had in years. And we have actually just kind of run out of space. There, there's only so many places that we can uh, put people in, that build, in the gymnasium in order to keep our spacing, um, as well as we only have so many beds that we can allow people to sleep in right now. So it is an amazing problem that God has blessed us with, and I am so excited for the ladies that are going to be there, what they are going to get to experience next weekend. And guys, if you want to, I'm still looking for a couple more guys who will be willing to come out for the weekend um, and help. One of the things that we are doing this year is um, I've got guys that are coming out. We're going to be serving the meals. We're going to be preparing the meals so that, that the lady, that every single lady can just be part of the sessions there, can be part of experiencing this women's retreat, and that guys, we're going to do the work and behind the scenes and serve. And so if you're interested in that, I am still looking for a couple more guys to help out with that. Um, we do have two work days scheduled this spring, one on April 24th, the other one is on May 8th, and those are both some opportunities that you can come out and be a part of helping uh, get camp ready uh, for the summer. There's still a lot of work to do and a lot of things that we need to, to get done. 
The other thing we're asking help for this summer is we, we have to do registration differently this summer. So it's going to be done a little bit different in the past. And so we need some extra hands to help us get that done, extra people to come out and volunteer uh, to help us get that flow going and doing uh, registration differently. So if you're available on some Sundays this summer, uh, we would love to have you come out and, and help us and volunteer to help with that registration process. And then on Friday nights, we're looking for some people who would be willing to come out in the evening and help do some of the extra additional cleaning steps that we're going to be doing and disinfecting uh, to take some of that load off of our staff so that uh, they're not having to stay uh, well into the night Friday or, or come back in Saturday morning to can make sure all that gets completed. So we're looking for some help for that. And speaking of summer staff, we are still looking for summer staff. So if you know any um, high school seniors, any young adults um, that are looking for something to do this summer, um, especially if they are interested in being a lifeguard or a lifeguard, um, please point them our way. Please get them connected with us. Uh, we've still got several more spots that we need to fill to make sure that we have all of our uh, staff in place for this summer. The theme this summer is Crossroads. And the main focus verse for that theme comes from Jeremiah chapter 6, uh, verse 16. And this is what Jeremiah says. He said, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. We are encouraging students this summer to focus on this and look and think about their lives. See, if, if nothing else, 2020 has taught us that there is a lot of uncertainty in our world. That just when we think we have everything figured out, in a moment's notice, it can change and completely be flipped upside down. And so if we try to put our trust and our confidence and our hope in anything other than God, we're going to find ourselves uncertain about where we are. And so we want young people this summer to understand the certainty that we can get if we put our trust and our faith in God, if we look to Him for the direction of our lives. Every day, every one of us stands at a crossroads and we make decisions about what that day is going to look like, what decision we're going to make. And for young people, it is no different. They stand at that place and they are making decisions about what their life is going to look like. And so we want those young people to know that when they get to that point, when they begin to question, they need to look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. What does God want them to do with their lives? Where is God leading them? Where does Scripture tell them that they need to be putting their focus and directing their lives? And then walk in it, and they'll find rest for their souls. The sad part is the end of that verse, and it's the response that the Israelite people gave. They answered back, and they said, We will not walk in it. The sad reality is for so many people, that is exactly the answer that they give to God. There are so many times in our lives when God is directing us and leading us and we go, now God, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. That's not what I want. That's not what makes me happy. That is not what I enjoy. I'm not comfortable with that. I want to do it my way. And when we do that, we are saying to God, God, I really don't care. I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to do me. That is, not, is so true. It has been something that, I, that has been true for generations, but even more so today, it is becoming more common and more open with, the, with social media and how open society is with things that 
Young people are beginning to hear over and over and over again this message of do what makes you happy, what makes you feel good. That's all that matters. Well, this summer we want young people to think differently than that. We want young people to look at something different and find a different thing to emulate their lives on and to point their lives to. And with that in mind this morning, I want us to look at Ephesians 5 and what Paul is telling us in this book. Paul is writing, it's a letter he wrote to the church at Ephesus. Um, He is trying to teach them who they are in Christ and what that means for them as Christ followers. And Ephesians is an amazing book that, that Paul really just kind of lays everything out about what this looks like, why you need Christ in your life, what that looks like, and how that unity comes together when us as Christians unite and stand together with Christ being the commonality between us. And so in Ephesians 5, we see Paul addressing a problem in this. And I want you to think about this when you're turning there. What is God like? How would you describe God? If you could give me a quick short statement that described God, what would that be? I'm sure that if I went around the room and asked every single person here, I would get a lot of different answers. I would get a lot of different things that, that we know about God or that we, that we, that we believe about God or, we, or how we would describe who He is or what He is. God encompasses so much that it is hard to easily describe Him. You see, we can't really fit Him into this descriptive box that we want to. God is so much bigger, and we need to recognize that and see that. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 1, Paul tells us this. He says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. He is telling us to follow God's example. Another way that can be said is be an imitator of God. Imitate God. Act like him. Live like him. Follow the example he gave us and make your life look like his did. See, Paul is telling us that we need to live our lives in a way that follows God's example, to live our lives in a way that imitates God and how Jesus lived his life. When I think about imitating something, the thing that always comes to my mind is these bottles of imitation flavoring that you have in your cabinet. Um, My grandma had like a row of these things, all these different flavors of imitation things. The one that sticks out the most to me, though, is imitation vanilla, because we put that in all kinds of cooking recipes. And, and I had this, I really thought about it, and I was thinking, you know, the only thing I know about vanilla flavor is what the imitation flavor tastes like. I don't know that I've ever actually tasted something that is like the pure vanilla. It's always been imitation vanilla. And so my whole definition and understanding and thinking and reality about vanilla is based on what someone else said, this is what it is. This is the imitation of it. You can trust that this is a good copy of it. I don't know. Maybe some of you have tasted pure vanilla, and you can say it doesn't taste like that imitation. It's not the same thing. There are other imitation flavors that I do know about uh, and that I can compare with and and know how they are. Things like uh, imitation cherry or imitation grape or, or some of those. Now, I'll tell you that 
when I'm choosing medicine like cough drops and things like that, I always go for the cherry flavor. I don't know why I like that. But if you hand me an actual cherry and say, eat this cherry, I'm going to say, no thanks, those are gross. I don't like the taste of them. So in that case, I don't like the real thing. I like the imitation. I like the fake thing because I like how it tastes better than what the real thing tastes like. When Paul tells us to be imitators of God, he is telling us that our lives should be lived in a way that when others see us, they think they are seeing a glimpse of who God is. We need to be that imitation of God that is so close to Him that when people see us, they go, oh, so that's who God, what God's like. That's what He's like. We need to be a good example that points people to the original, to God, that makes people go, I really like that about you. Man, I really want to know who this God is, that, that you have modeled your life after it has made you who you are, because if you're like this, I can only imagine how awesome he must be. We have to be careful, though, to make sure that we are a good imitation. Like I said, the imitation cherry, to me, that's a really good imitation. But if you're comparing it to the real thing, it is not even close to the real thing as far as taste goes. See, it's, it's really easy if we're not careful to be a bad representation of God. Even when we have the best intentions, so we have to be careful that everything we say and we do is a reflection of Christ, and that includes uh, everything that we post, everything that we write, everything that we put out there. If we're going to imitate God, it can't be something that we only do on Sunday morning or only do when we're around certain people. It has to be something that totally encompasses our lives so that everybody in every situation sees that representation of who God is. It's okay to have opinions and to have your own thoughts about how you think things should go in the world, but we have to make sure that when you are sharing your opinions that you are still being a good imitation of God. We have to make sure that when people see us, they see God because you may be the only picture of who God is that someone sees. You may be their one encounter that helps them to determine who is this God? Who is this Christ that they said that they follow so much? You may be the one example they see of that. It's a lot of pressure. That's why it's important that we look to and understand what that good imitation looks like. Paul reminds us that we are dearly loved children of God and that we should walk in the way of love just like Christ did. See, Christ proved his love to us through his death and his resurrection. He proved his love by giving his life so that we could be restored to God. We need to imitate that kind of love in our lives. The love Jesus shows us is sacrificial love. That means that we should live our lives in a way that shows others who God is in part by our willingness to be in service to others, to give of ourselves for the benefit of other people. That means we have to let go of everything we want and instead focus on what others need. We have to let go of what do I want and focus on God, who do you need me to be? 
God, who are you asking me to be? What are you asking me to do? If you're a parent, you understand a little bit of this sacrificing yourself because, see, as a parent, we have to put aside our own needs for our children uh, pretty much for the rest of our lives after you have children. Their needs become important. We have to make sure that we are making them a priority as they grow and as they learn, as they develop, because um, they wouldn't make it without us being there for them. There are parents with, that struggle with this, and it shows in the relationship that they have with their kids. And in really bad cases, it shows in the neglect and the suffering their kids are forced to go through. Jesus willingly gave himself up for us. He willingly went up on that cross and died a horrible death for us. That's the kind of love that we need to be showing others as we seek to imitate God. They need to see that we are not about me, but I'm about God. That I'm about others, and I'm about seeing other people grow and come to know God in their lives. When you think about God, who God is, many of his attributes and characteristics, um, do other people see those things in you? Do people see the characteristics of God in your lives? Well, Paul goes on uh, in verse 3, and he begins to talk about what this should look like, what some of that imitation should be like. He says, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any, should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of, God, of Christ and of God. We have to live our lives free from sin. Sounds easy, right? Of course. It's not an easy thing. I know it's a lot to ask, and it is a struggle. But that is what Paul is telling us our lives should look like. I know that no one in this room is perfect. I know that I am far from perfect, and I have had my fair share of sin in my life. And I'm sure that as my life continues, because I'm not dead yet, there is still going to be sin that's going to happen in my life. So I'm not telling you you... You better be perfect or you're wrong. I'm telling you that you need to strive to be sin-free. See, there's a difference in that. If, we're not, if we look toward and say, well, if I have to be sinless, then that's where it needs to be, then we're going to limit ourselves and feel that we are failures when we allow sin in our lives. But what I'm telling you is, the point is, it's not being, that we're being set up to fail. Instead, we need to be intentional about trying to avoid these improper things. We have to make the choice to allow these things to be not to be part of our lives. We have to choose every single day when I stand at that crossroad, what is today going to look like? Am I going to allow sin in my life today or am I going to resist that temptation and follow Christ and make Him the priority? It is a choice that we make. It's a choice that you can either give in and accept that you are just that way and there's nothing you can do about it. Or you can choose to change. You can choose to change. You can choose to live your life surrendered to Christ. A life changed. But you have to make that choice. It is something you have to decide 
every single day. Now, I'll tell you, that is not an easy choice, and it's not the easy path to walk. So if you're looking for the easy way to get through life, following Christ isn't really going to get you there. He never promised that it was going to be an easy thing. In fact, the way Jesus described it was, he said, take up your cross and follow me. He knew that it was going to be difficult and hard. But he said, you're not doing it alone. When you gave your life to Christ, you were baptized, you made a statement publicly, and you were binding yourself to Christ and putting your old sinful self to death. Paul tells us in Romans 6, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. When you chose to give your life to Christ, when you were baptized, you chose to live as children of light, no longer in darkness. So why then do we keep finding ourselves in the dark, hiding the things that we know are wrong, and then trying to pretend that everything is okay. We have to make sure that our lives reflect that Christ is in us, that we are imitating him. So I like what he says in verse uh, 14. He says, um, oh wow, and I skipped a section. That's okay. Paul jumps ahead and, and, and this is what I love. He says this one thing. He says, verse 14, he says, this is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. See, when we look to and allow Christ to come in, he says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Now, when I tell somebody, if somebody's kind of dragging at work or something, I was like, man, come on, wake up, get in it, get with it. Really, what they hear is me saying, you know, come on, just kind of pull it together a little bit longer. I know you're tired, but don't worry, just, just, just you can do it, you can fight through it. But when God says to us, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, there's a different power behind that. See, this is coming from the one who raised Christ from the dead, brought life where there was death. And so Paul is telling us that we need to allow Christ to wake us up, lift us from the dead, so there is new life within who we are. If you imitate Christ, then your life should show him he should be shining within you. Before we can truly live united by love to serve others, we have to get our own lives in order. We have to start living like children of light, free from sin. Now, I know there is no way that we can ever reach a point where there is not sin in our lives, but we can and we need to reach a point 
where there is not sin that we are allowing to be in our lives. See, we can and we need to reach a point where it's not the dominant or normal thing in our lives. That it's the thing that when it happens, we slip and we mess up and we recognize, man, I really, I really messed up right here, God. I'm so sorry for allowing that into my life. God, will you help me today to be stronger? Will you help me today to live better? When we are tempted to sin, we need to stop and pray. Ask God to give us the strength to avoid sin. Christ didn't tell us that we would be alone. He didn't say, okay, now that you're a Christian, good luck. I hope it works out for you. He said, I am going to be with you every step of the way. So when you are facing these uncertainties in your life, when you're facing doubt, when, you're, when sin happens in your life, know that you have Christ to turn to. See, the great thing is, is that when it comes to our relationship with God, it doesn't matter how far I move away from Him, how much I may run or choose to live a life that separates me from Him. The moment that I realize where I am and I turn back and say, God, I need you, He's not over there where I left Him. He is right here beside me, ready to help me, to pick me back up and to move me forward again. Your life needs to be one that imitates Him. Paul tells us in verse 15, he says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We need to live our lives in a way that imitates God and shows others around us who God is. As Paul told us, walk in the way of love. If you are ever wanting to know how to exemplify and how to imitate God, the first place I would tell any person to start is to make sure that you are living in a way that shows love. Because of everything else Christ did, of everything that Christ, the way that he interacted and touched people's lives, in all of it, he did it with love at the center. When he cast out demons from those, there was love in that. When he overturned the tables in the temple, there was love in that. When he went up on that cross and he allowed them to nail him to that cross, to, to pierce his side with a spear, to beat his back, to put the crown of thorns on his head, he did that out of love. Love was part of that. When we walk in the way of love, we are taking action. There is movement in our lives, and within that movement, everything that we do, we show love to others, and so everything that people see about us points them and shows them who Christ is in our lives. We become imitators of God. We become the thing that people can look to and see who God is. They get a glimpse. It's only I know we're only a small bit of who God is, but if they can see that little bit in you, it'll open them up to want to know more and so that they can begin to experience, maybe they'll start asking you questions, why is you, your life different than everybody else's? And you can tell them, let, let me tell you about this God that I have. Let me tell you about his son Christ and what he did for me in my life. 
That little glimpse that we give them of God can allow them to have the opportunity to hear more and experience more about who God is. So that they too, when they reach the point in their lives when they stand at a crossroad and they're not sure which direction to go, they too will know they can look at the ancient ways, at the ancient past for the good way. They'll learn that they too can imitate God in their own life and follow after Him. But before you can begin to do that, you have to do a couple things. First, you have to, you have to know Christ in order to have Him be in your life. And in order to imitate God, you have to know who He is. So the first step that everyone has to take is you have to give your life to Christ. You have to be saved and baptized. Without salvation, you can't be an imitator of God. And so I would say this morning, if you are here, if you haven't made that first step, if you haven't taken that place in your life where you have made Christ the most important thing, where you've given your life to Christ, that's what you need to do this morning. That is the first step for you. This is the first crossroad that you are standing at and making a decision. So if you don't know Christ, this morning is the morning for you to get right with God, to come to Him, allow Him to renew you, to restore you, to give you new life. Allow Him to offer you forgiveness from sin. The second thing you need to do is you need to ask God to shine His light into your life so that any dark places or sin in your life may be revealed to you. Ask God to show you the areas in your life that you need to clean up. The places where you have allowed that little bit of sin and darkness to fester and hide over here. Because even though you think that it's hidden really well, believe me, people see it and they recognize it. And so if you're telling people you are a Christian, that's part of what they're seeing. And they think, oh, so that's what it means to be a God follower? I can do that. Ask God to show you what it is in your life that you need to clean up. What, uh, what sin you have in your life that you need to be set free from. And then the third thing you need to do is you need to change the way you live your life so that you are imitating God, so that in everything about you, people see God. I don't want people to know Ryan, the Ryan that I am, because the flesh Ryan, he's a really shy, quiet, closed-up person. That's what I was as a kid before I became far in following Christ. I sure don't look like that now, do I? Anybody that spends any time with me knows that I am not a quiet, shy person, that I love people and I love to connect with people. Believe me, the COVID has been the most horrible thing for someone like me because I like to hug people and get right up there with people and talk to people and be around people, and this has been devastating for extroverts like me. But I am this way because this is who God made me to be. This is who God changed my life to be. Be an imitator of Christ. Allow Him to be in you so that people see Christ. They see God in everything they do. Or everything that you do, that you are shining Him. So what is something you can do this week to imitate God? How can you show love in a new way that imitates the love that God has for you, that other people see it? 
So this morning, as we close up, that is my challenge to you, that you take whichever of those three steps that you need to take today. And I would invite you and encourage you, um, after I pray, that um, as they lead in this invitation song, that if you need to make a step, if you need uh, to make a change in your life, to come see one of your leaders. Grab them and say, hey, I I need to talk with you. I've got this going on, and I need some prayer, and I need help through this. Don't walk out of here today without allowing God to move in your life in a new way. Would you pray with me?